You're listening to Culture Matters, a podcast of the Village Church. All right, this is Adam Griffin, and I'm here as usual with my co-host, Adam Hawkins. Adam, how are you today? Feeling good. Good. I'm glad you're here. And we're also joined in the studio by South Lake's own Spencer Jacobson. Spencer, you are a student minister, so I assume you have logged maybe 20 or so hours of video games today. Yeah, just today. Okay, good. I'm glad you're here because I'm way above it. I'm too mature for that childish stuff. Adam, yeah. you? Totally. I i don't even know what they are. Really. Yeah, all cards on the table. Adam asked me if I played video games today while he was playing a video game on his phone. I'm really excited to be talking about this. I'm, I think this is going to be a really fun episode. We're going to talk about video games and how Christians should see them, whether they're a waste of time, really so much else. And we'll be joined on the phone with uh, by Richard Clark, who's really a content area expert in this subject. So without further ado, let's get started. So video games. It may not seem like a big deal on the surface. In fact, if people don't play video games on a regular basis, maybe they think of this as kind of like a small subculture or something that children do. But the truth is that even though it may not always be in the news, video games are a huge part of a lot of people's lives. We're talking about hours every day. We're talking about the way people connect to each other online or the way they – they uh, it's, a, it's a hobby for some people. For some people, it's more than that. But uh, for us Christians, this is a huge deal. It's a part of culture. It's why we have this podcast. So we want to talk today about uh, what are we supposed to think about video games as Christians. Man, we've we've heard a lot of pastors over the year bash them, equate video games to immaturity. But, I, but today I think we can question, like, is that really true? Is being a video game player equivalent to wasting your life away and talk about that. Is it a waste of time? So we're going to work through that and a lot more questions today. Like I said, we're joined by Spencer. We're also joined right now by Richard Clark. And Richard is the Director of Editorial Development at Christianity Today. Listen listen to this resume. He also... Is uh, He also does that for Preaching Today. He's also the co-founder of Christ in Pop Culture. He's the former managing editor of Game Church, and he's also written a ton on this topic, the topic of video games. Richard, how are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? We're doing great. We are really looking forward to this discussion. I'm sure I speak for all of us. Let's start in the room and with Richard. Let's just get out of the way. Are video games, bottom line, are they a waste of time? Are they only for children? What do you guys think? Let's discuss it. Silence. Hmm. <laughs> I'm going to go with yes on that. That's an obvious yes. <laughs> Forget them. The conversation okay. over. No. Thanks for your time, everybody. It is a yeah, waste of your life. Don't, don't turn do it on. What do you think, Richard? Yeah, Are video I, I games mean, a waste of time? I, I think it depends, right? Like, I'm, I think, uh, you know, I, I don't know. Is there is anything a waste of time? Everything is useful. In some, well, not everything, but a lot of things are useful if you uh, use them well, or or even just enriching and valuable, if you um, are thoughtful about how you go about them, I, I think you know. In my mind, this is something most people have kind of come to terms with. Like video games have a wide range, uh, and the, the breadth of what they offer are very is it, it's 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 uh, broad. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it's the kind of thing where. Um, the answer to that question is probably no, but also, like, they can very easily turn into something that's a waste of time, just like a lot of good gifts that we have in the, in the world. That's good. I, yeah, for example, people might think, 
people who think video games are inherently evil, they can't, I hope they don't think that fun is inherently evil. Like it, They've it, obviously right. never played that Bible game on Nintendo where you're like <laughs> Noah and you're jumping around trying is to that like a real gather thing? the animals into the ark. Have you never played this? No, is that Noah's a real Ark 3D or yes, something like that? Isn't it's that great. It? Yeah, it's saying, like a what is it terribly called Super Noah's game. Ark 3D. Or, I think that's it. Noah's Ark yeah. 3D. Yeah, it's part, of a, it's part of a bundle. It's, yeah, it's a bundle. It's a, that's right. A bundle called Bible Adventures. Wow. And, it, and it had like... It had one on Noah's Ark. It had on one on Moses in the basket, and then another one that I can't remember. Are you? I'm imagining the basket trying to get across a river, like Frogger across a road, and you're avoiding like Egyptians and crocodiles. Is the that weird close? thing about that game was it was it was wildly inaccurate. Like the, <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> the stuff you were doing, the stuff you were doing in that game was not had nothing to do with anything. Really. Oh, it man. was just like. The premise was the start, and they went from there. Well, there are. I mean, you just brought up a good point, Adam. There's a wide range of video games, right? That's right. I mean, like, so to ask the question, are they a waste of time? I actually think it's a misunderstanding of the culture we live in now. You can't get around the fact that um, for, I mean, I don't know. I I don't know what the demographic, the age age range is, but probably for anybody under 35, they've spent a significant at some point in their life, they've spent a significant amount of time playing video games. You think so? Yeah. I mean, I think it's part of our culture now. I, I was reading something the other day that said that there's this um, there's this video uh, um, I don't know what it is it's some platform right it's not YouTube it's something else I think it's called Twitch I might be That's wrong right. about it but like you can watch people play video games it huh. has more subscribers than YouTube now Wow it is like the liter. I could be wrong about this, but it is like literally the biggest platform. And what it is is it's watching people play video games. I mean, it's giant. Let me jump in there because, Richard, maybe you can help us out with this. Just to give people the idea, the scope of this as a content area expert, I've heard people say, you know, video games makes more money than movies and people are aware of movies. Are there things like that, like those kind of like one-off statistics where you can kind of tell us, like, this is how big video game culture is. It's not some small subculture of 14-year-old boys in their basement. It's a huge deal. Right. I think that's true. I don't have specific statistics off the top of my head, but my understanding is that uh, people are spending as much or more money on video games than, than, than movies and right. probably other things. Um, just because, I mean, they do cost a lot, so that, that's a consideration. But, like, it, it represents investment, right? It represents um, time spent, probably. Yeah. And so I think... Uh, yeah, I think it's a huge industry, and definitely it's it's the kind of thing that is is growing um, by leaps and bounds, um, which which has plus and minuses, which we'll I'm sure we'll talk about. But, yeah, are there, uh, so yeah. let's jump into the kinds of video games there are because there really is a wide variety. Spencer it loves Mario games; he's into the classic Mario Luigi versus uh, what is it, King Mario. Wario? No, yeah. who's the bad guy in, in Mario? Remind me. Are we talking about Koopa. Bowser? Yeah. Bowser. Yeah. Bowser. Bowser, yeah. So you probably hear that Bowser music as you're walking down the street. I mean, you're sure. just playing all yeah, the time. Yeah, all the time. No, That's I like a little bit of everything, but yeah, I was playing some Super Mario But there's a, wide, there's a wide difference between playing like Candy Crush on your phone and playing Last of Us on PS4. And both of them we would put in the same category of something you're doing digitally, competitively maybe. But do you guys feel like video games, can it, can they be artful? Can they be something that's beautiful, that contributes to the creative and artistic development of our culture? Or are they just, uh, like we talked about before, just something kind of, you know, a time waster? Yeah, I think that video games have changed a lot really over the last decade. There are a lot of games that, 
involve a lot more freedom of choice and the and there's certain games where the ending of the video game drastically differs depending on if you make morally good or morally bad choices. The That's one that the one that comes to mind was 2008's BioShock where the ending the huh. ending of that game if you were if you played that game more violently then you were going to get a really harsh ending and it was mm. not nearly as satisfying as if you played the game in a less violent manner. Um, and there are a lot of games that are like that today. And so I think that video games can teach us things for sure. So you're um, saying we should have our children playing Bioshock to teach them morality. Not that's see, what I hear you saying. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> but I do think that yeah. that is that's much different than just, you know, playing Grand Theft Auto that kind of rewards you for violence. Right. Yeah. So that's yeah. it's a little bit yeah. it's a little bit of a yeah, different that, feel. Bioshock is an interesting example too, because that game really came out in a year. Uh, 2008 was sort of like a watershed year for like artistic intention in video games. Like, really? It became very clear between that, there was like Portal, there was Braid, there was a few others that, that all came out in that year and made you realize like there was so much potential here for a person who, was, who had artistic intentions in video games. And, the, and Bioshock in particular really was one of the first games that I know of that managed to cause you whatever ending you got, you you were forced to confront the medium itself and the really? nature of the medium. Right. Like it was a, sort of a, an inherent commentary on itself in a way that sort of reflected, like that whole meta thing can get old. And I know that like a lot of people get tired of like, art commenting on itself and it's kind of a joke about Oscar the Oscars like every movie yeah. that is about, about that Hollywood. is nominated about Hollywood like yeah. wins that's all true like that can get really old but um, and like video game have, games have the opposite problem they're like self-hating so now at this point hmm. there's like a million video games about how bad video games are <laughs> and it's just right. like a little bit too much but what it represented was like this self-consciousness about the art form itself, which I found to be really valuable. And you see, you see like that um, play out over the next, uh, really, it's almost been a decade now, hmm. um, where video game developers have gone like, oh, wait, we can do that? And I think, you know, that's been really exciting to watch. Um, I think, like, the thing about, you know, video games, like, a lot of people, when they talk about them, especially in negative terms, they think uh, about the industry. Hmm. Um, and that is, that's like thinking about the film industry, and that's it. When you think about the film industry, you're thinking about the summer blockbusters, the things that get a lot of, um, make a lot of money. Yeah. Right. And right now the problem video games has is that the, the, their claim to fame has been for a long time, like, you have to respect us because we're a big industry. And I think you're just asking for it at that point. You're asking yeah. to be seen as like a bunch of craven money grubbers or whatever who just want people to buy their product or make money off of their product. That's a real thing in the video game industry, just as it is in the film industry. But there's also a lot of artists. And actually, since the beginning of the art form, there have been people who have tried to create something a little more pure. Nintendo being like the best example they're not interested in like, you know, ripping people off or addicting people. They're interested in helping people, like enriching people's lives, which so, I think is really valuable. 
Yeah, let me jump in for just a second and ask you about some of these video games. So like um, like Candy Crush is a game that tons of people have obsessed over. It's really came with kind of smartphones is my understanding. Now it's a, a game show. Talk us through like how are video games like that maybe different than what maybe people grew up with or what other people are playing in like um, uh, online games? Yeah, I, I mean, I think um, Candy Crush is, is an interesting one because it's known for its model. <laughs> it's known for its financial model. Uh, how is it? Tell me, tell me how else. it works. I really don't know. I don't play Candy Crush, so fill me in. So Candy Crush, what it does is it lets you pre- play it for free, and um, it's a really simple idea that doesn't take a lot of like time and investment to understand and want to get better at or want to like progress in. Um, and then it, it le- allows you to pay in order to progress farther. Hmm. Um, what people have talked about is this concept of whales. So um, whales are basically people that are so invested in the game. Someone might, someone, some might use the word like addicted. Um, they're so they're so attracted to the game and, and invested in like winning it or getting to the next level that they are willing to pay large sums of money. Um, to get certain, like, advantages. So for a guy like me, and let me just speak on behalf of the listener who doesn't play a lot of video games, because I'll be honest, I really don't. I played some Mario growing up. I played some GoldenEye early in college just to date myself there, which was great and loved that game. And I played, you know, online card games, stuff like that. But what in the last five years, just catch us up a little bit. Like, what's profound? What's changed in the industry? What's been really great? And I'm sure you and Spencer can both talk to this, Richard. Yeah, I think... The most significant game in the past five years came out in March, and it was The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. And it was because of the way that it took mm. the, it took this open-world game. All of these open-world games are so popular now, like whether it's Skyrim that came out several Say years what ago. You mean, what does open-room mean? Yeah, what does that an, open, an open-world game is a, it's a massive environment that you explore, and your character kind of increases in experience as you explore the world and gain more inventory or grow in your levels or whatever. And it's really open in, There's not a There's not one way to complete the game you can it's not like a traditional campaign game that's like you have a goal you've got a this way is the only way to make it several goals going on at the same time now the difference in a lot of these open world games grand theft auto could be classified as an open world game so what was going on with with a lot of these open world games whether it's grand theft auto or a game like assassin's creed or even a game like skyrim where a lot of the reward of the game is based on what you like based on the violence that you do in the game, Zelda, this new Zelda is really different because it really rewards the player for creativity in the way that you approach a situation, um, the way that you approach kind of the mini, like what are called shrines in the game. They're sort of like a take on the original Zelda dungeon. They're like really tiny puzzles. And so it was a lot more like problem solving, thinking creatively about how to clear out like a monster's hideout. Um, how to use it, your different, your weapons would break, which never happens in video games. When you get a weapon, you're good to go. But if you use a weapon or a shield a certain amount of times, it breaks on you. And at the very beginning of the game, they drop you into like this open world with just a ton of monsters that are like ready to, ready to kill you. And you have nothing, like you don't have anything. And so you start from scratch and it kind of it, it really builds from that. there. Yeah. So, yeah. Richard, you heard Spencer thinks like that was the most game-changing game in the last five years. Would you have the same answer? Is there something else you think going on in that world that has shifted that he maybe didn't just mention? I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull like a uh, hipster move and say like I, my my choice would be the game that sort of like uh, paved the way for 
that game, Zelda. Okay. And um, Spencer, I'm not sure if you've played Far Cry 2 before. I have played Far Cry 2. That's, that's interesting. Adam and yeah, I have so no idea what's happening. What is Far Cry 2? So, <laughs> yeah, Far Cry 2 does a lot of things that Breath of the Wild like perfects, right? Like, um, and, and what's interesting about Far Cry 2 is like its developer is um, Clint Hawking. He was like obsessed with creating a game that was... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? He was obsessed with this idea of um, ludonarrative dissonance, which is like a really fancy way of saying the thing the game is trying to tell you, it plays the opposite of that. So Grand Theft Auto could be a good example of that, where the really fun thing to do is just, like, chaotic things, but has this story that's like, oh, crime is bad, and I don't want to do it. But <laughs> but then when you go out and, like, do crime, it's really fun. Um, Far Cry 2 managed to, like, use a lot of interesting mechanics in the open world to go, like, the basically it was like war is bad if i had to sum it up in a really uh crude way uh you know war is bad and so like what happened was um you would you would like see the way that characters were dehumanized in the in the gameplay mechanics you would see ways that um your guns would break like that was one of the first games where weapons would break hmm. in the open world and you'd have to like throw them away get other ones um the violence was not as rewarding as you wanted it to be um that sort of thing so breath of the wild when it came out and like also there was this idea of emergent gameplay so gameplay that basically would um unfold based on little small choices because of various systems that were interconnecting with one another and that is something breath of the wild like perfected so i think it like Breath of the Wild is an amazing perfection of that vision. And actually, if you would have told me in the year that Far Cry 2 came out, which, by the way, was 2008, I believe. <laughs> um, wow. If you would have told me in that year that Far Cry 2 came out, that the next Zelda game, like, there would be a Zelda game that basically was that, but with Zelda, I would have, like, freaked out. Because that is, it's like real, like, Nintendo pulling that off is just, like, kind of a dream come true. It's really fun. It's really valuable. Um, and, yeah, I think we get a lot out of it that, that is sort of like under the surface there. Richard, can I ask you, you – sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Could I, I, could I ask you um, – you mentioned a game earlier, and so probably around that time was when I actually played more games was in 2008. Yeah. Uh, and you mentioned Braid earlier, and uh, one of the things that – some people might not realize is there's actually a pretty um, flourishing kind of indie game environment that's happening now. Right. And so you had this you had this push to kind of what 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 Richard was saying earlier for these blockbuster games and these big things sort of happening. Not that there weren't indie games before it, but uh, one of the things that I thought was interesting, although it's longer than five years ago, Braid sort of was extremely popular. It was a platformer, which means it was like this 2D game. It looked like a game that could be played on like regular Nintendo basically mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but the story was really interesting um, it was a, a really creative game and it 
I don't. I mean, Richard, would you say it sort of sp- it sort of spawned this this new genre almost, or is or is that saying too much? I just think there is something interesting to say about when we talk about games being an art form, and we talk about how wide, uh, how many genres they re- there really are. Yeah. Um, it's. I think it's important to bring up that genre. Would you Would you have a comment on that? I mean, yeah. I think it's an extremely important game. You yeah, know? I think you're exactly right. Like the thing about Braid is that it came out on this new platform <laughs> when digital downloads were like starting to be a thing so uh the xbox live like xbox live arcade is what it was called and that was the first time you like download a game that didn't that cost like 15 dollars to your console because people were used to like spending 50 dollars in a game stop that's or right whatever. Yep. um and so it, it lowered the barrier right like that was key it lowered the barrier to Basically, one dude and some people he had hired to, like, draw and stuff to make a game, um, yeah. as opposed to an entire publisher. Um, and that, that and it, this, like, it had a crazy amount of success. If you were to compare it to the film industry, it would be something like um, Blair Witch Project, where just some dudes made a film and... It blew up. Yeah, so I, I get a that lot comparison. of that had to do with the story too, which you're gonna. I think you're gonna probably right. segue into some of that. Well, but. I'll get to that here in a second. I do want to. You guys have mentioned a couple video games, or a couple times you've mentioned Grand Theft Auto. And I'll be honest, when I think about mm-hmm. video games, I know that like God is not against fun, uh, but there there are a lot of people <laughs> who not only waste time. But play video games yeah. that I would say, man, this is not something that builds you up, builds other people up, can be a terrible influence mm-hmm. on kids. It's not something I want my kids to participate in or witness. There are a lot of games that involve playing on the internet with strangers where they will like obviously interact with language, concepts, ideas that are not Christian. How do you guard in that sense both your own home as a parent maybe, but also as an individual or what do we think as Christians when people are designing games because they know the human heart wants to participate in debauchery that's illegal in real life? I, I'd love to jump in and, uh, on, on this question just to say, I mean, honestly, I think we've gone back to the film industry a lot because yeah. I think it's a good analog. Um, it's not a yeah. perfect analog, but it's a good one. It's the same thing with TV. Right. I mean, it's the same thing with computer and kids online, right? I mean, so so maybe TV is a easier world because our you know the the older generation we know it well and we know better safeguards. So maybe the internet internet's a better analog. It's like you just need to be studied. Mm. You need to know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. You need to you know have right filters and controls. And so um, I, honestly, it's it, to me. I think there is this because maybe it's a bit of an unknown, especially for the generation that seems to be commenting on games a lot. Um, um, yeah. There, it's like a boogeyman. But yeah. honestly, it's like I mean, how do you know what your kids doing on their phone? How do you know what their your kids doing on the internet? How do you know what they're watching? I think I think it's a similar thing. You yeah. need to be involved in their life, and you need to be involved in what they're. Consuming, and you're you saying know? the medium isn't inherently evil. It's not the medium. Yeah, the the problem might be something else or the way they use it. Richard, let me ask you about a specific video game I've heard a lot about, and this may be like yeah. uh, the Noah game I had never heard of, the Moses game I'd never heard of, but I have heard of several times. I've heard of that Dragon Cancer, which is a narrative game yeah. where a believer made a game that walks experientially through his family's struggle to see their young son really waste away and pass away from cancer. Can you tell us a little bit about that game and how that maybe is different or might resonate with a Christian audience? Yeah, that game is really fascinating because it's it's made me so happy in the sense that, obviously, it's a very sad game. So playing it did not make me happy. It made me very sad. But 
especially someone with a son. But um, but it, like experiencing that game being released into the world, it made me feel like we were seeing like back in the Renaissance when all the Christians were making the good art. It felt like that. There was mm-hmm. a, sort of an undeniable goodness to that game um, to the point where like people it just could not be ignored right like um, that game did what so many games had sort of tried to do even Braid in terms of like giving you an experience that impacted you there were years where people were like when will a game make us cry that was kind of a stupid (laughs) uh, benchmark to to work towards but um, what was meant by it was when will a game like affect us uh, emotionally and personally in the way that like a Schindler's List or whatever would. And um, it was sort of un- unforeseen, like people couldn't figure out a way to do it because like there were a lot of assumptions made about how games worked and should work. Um, that game kind of pl- blew up that whole conversation and made people recognize like not only were games not necessarily not not only did games not necessarily have to be fun, but like they didn't have to make you feel happy. To be clear, what really put me over the top on that game and made that probably my like all-time favorite game is that that game is not just a big sad fest. It is incredibly hopeful. It is incredibly like human and humane in the way that it treats. Um, their son who is dying in that process and the way that it's like honest in the way that it treats their suffering but also like in the way that they acknowledge that this is something so many other people deal with like the way they acknowledge the cancer community in general Mm. um, it's just a really humane and striking game that in my mind like hits all the right notes that's beautiful I have not actually played the game. I've heard that from so many people. I'm kind of interested. It, the concept to me honestly doesn't sound like, oh, that sounds appealing, or when am I in the mood to go do that? Right. But the art of it, yeah. which maybe is the way to communicate it, again, thinking about movies, I would see a movie that's artsy, even though it wouldn't cheer me up or yeah. or leave me feeling mm. great. Uh, well, let's as, as we're coming to a close here, Spencer, I assume you're a Christian, right? You're on yes, our staff here. You work with students. You bet. Great. You've played video games before. Let's just, <laughs> hypothetically, yeah. a parent comes to you of one of your students and says, should I let my student play video games? Yeah. My kid, I want him to walk with the Lord and he wants to play. What would you say? What advice do you give to the parent? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And I think it goes back to the perspective that you have on video games at all. It's knowing what kind of games that they're playing and what you're really allowing into your house. So when I think about something like virtual reality, which is super cool, right? But if your child is playing virtual reality, you can't see, you can't really see what they're playing. Yeah. You have no it's not I- a you shared no experience. Idea. Yeah, it's, it's an individual they're, experience. They're in a helmet or a visor or whatever, and you can't really see what's going on. Now, on the other hand, my wife Jamie and I play a lot of Mario Kart. That's what we do for fun, right? Mm-hmm. So a game like that, which is a really fun experience to share together in the same way that, Maybe watching a movie or playing or going a board bowling game for a family or going yeah whatever, yeah yeah that's that's all that's all good stuff. I think that for that for students or when a parent asks about how much how much time their student should be playing video games or or the nature of the like first the person shooter of the game yeah or what the what kind of um, how does the game reward the player? Does it reward them for violence? Does it reward them um, or does it reward them for creativity? I think that those are the kind of questions that you should be asking. Which unfortunately you can't just. You can't just take. You can't just look at the back of the box and just say, 
um, oh, this is rated M for whatever. Now, on the other hand, you've got to think too about why does their like why does their student want to play video games? Mm-hmm. Um, are they are they trying to escape like real life friendships by kind of hiding behind a screen? Um, are they avoiding responsibility by playing video games all weekend? Like, are they do they are they so starved for it during the week that they're filling an entire Saturday with it? What's what is what's the reason? That's good uh, behind it. Yeah, yeah. What's the motive? So tell me this, Richard. As we conclude, is there a Christian motive for playing video games? Could you say like, hey, Christians not only can but should think about this aspect of culture? Obviously, we've we've I think made pretty clear video games shape a lot of culture. They're an artistic expression. There's certainly a way a lot of people spend time, but how should a Christian think about or approach video games? I think there are a lot of motives that are, are like, uh, good to play video games. Um, I think, like, uh, just having fun <laughs> is a good motive. Like, yeah. um, having an, a fun experience, especially, but not only, not exclusively, but especially with other people, I think that can be a really valuable experience. Um Video games also provide opportunities for understanding and empathy, certain ones, not many, but a lot of them. Um, And just for me, like, I'm in a season, for instance, on a personal level, where they provide me with, like, certain video games provide me with rest, right? Like, I'm able to sort of, like, focus on this thing and not all of the other stress that's in my life. There's a lot of transition in transition happening right now in my life in terms of I'm moving, I'm starting a new job, I'm having another child soon. So a lot of that, it stresses me out. And there are like moments where I have like introvert times. I need to, I know I need to unplug. I need, know I need to like stop um, stressing about everything else, but I don't want to just like shut down. Right. And just like let stuff wash over me. And I find video games to be a really engaging way to sort of like, de-stress, focus on those things. So I find that really valuable as well. The thing I'd emphasize is, like, all of us have seasons, and that's okay. Like, we have seasons where we need one thing over another, and viewings can adapt to that too, right? Like, there are times when you just need a cell phone game for a few minutes. There are times when you need to immerse yourself in something uh, just for the sake of it. There are times when um, you need, like, a, a... couch co-op multiplayer game uh, to play with people in the same room and have fun. I did that just the other night, and it was really rewarding, you know? Um, so that, th- there's a lot that can be gained um, That's good. in addition I, to all the pitfalls. Kind of in closing, I think uh, it's like many things when you talk to – when you're thinking about morally neutral mediums. There are obviously ways where a Christian can interact with this, and it would be detrimental to their soul, or they can excuse it by saying – they want to blow off steam or blow off stress and end up really wasting time, especially, man, I talk to students all, about this all the time, where if you are more concerned about uh, your digital life than your real life, or if you are more concerned about uh, ending digital lives mm-hmm. than saving real world lives, which is the work that we've been called to, then there are absolutely problems that we want to talk about. But not throwing out the baby with the bathwater saying like all video games are inherently evil and the church should come out against them. Uh, the same way we wouldn't against other mediums. I do. Th- I hope this was a nuanced conversation that made that pretty clear. I hope that we've all made clear, like, the Lord is not against fun. He's not against taking time off, but he absolutely wants us to make the best use of time. So thank you guys so much for being with us. 
there's anything you heard us talk about on today's episode that you'd like to know more about, check out tvcresources.net. And on our next episode, we'll be joined by Senator James Lankford in studio. It should be another really fun one. We'll see you next time. God bless.